The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Yes, you are. Welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers. The buzz today, it's the age of sustainability. Let's get started. If your company has already committed to adopting sustainability strategies, or if you've got a lot of pressure to do so, I have a question for you. Are you bringing your HR function into this challenge? Are you engaging them in this effort? Well, let's look at it. Just as support from your senior management team is critical, so too is the involvement of your HR leadership in anything to do with sustainability. If you do it right, sustainability has a boatload of benefits for your company. It will impact your company culture in a very positive way. It will support employee engagement. It'll be good for your relationship with your customers. It'll be good for your bottom line and the world. And guess what? The very future of your organization. It's all good as Bob Dylan said in a song a few years ago. I have a panel of experts who are going to help me explore sustainability and HR. Let me start with my first panelist today. I'd like to welcome Andy Savitz. He's a principal at Sustainable Business Strategies, and he's a business author. The book I know about is The Triple Bottom Line, How the Best-Run Companies Are Achieving Economic, Social, and Environmental Success, and How You Can Too. And here's a quote from Andy. He says, Environmental, Social, and Economic challenges are going to rock HR's world from corporate culture and employee engagement to the basic elements of the employee life cycle from recruitment all the way to retirement. Andy Savitz, welcome to HR Trends. How are you today? Good morning, Bonnie, and thank you for having me. I'm very well. Pleasure. You sound great, by the way, Andy. Where are you calling from? I'm, I'm in Boston where the temperature has dropped again under 50 degrees. Uh, we're never going to be done with this winter, it seems. Well, I think the warm weather migrated down here to Long Island, so I'm going to push it back up north to you after the show. I promise. I'll go outside and I'll say warm weather go up to Boston for Andy. So, Andy, we're so delighted to have you on the show. Talk to me about the quote you send me. What? How is this environmental, social, and economic challenges, how are they packed together going to rock HR's world? That's a very powerful statement. So please start us. Well, Bonnie, you mentioned my first book, The Triple Bottom Line, but uh, a year ago I wrote a book called Talent Transformation in the Triple Bottom Line, which is all about the ways in which HR can help advance sustainability within uh, within companies and, and not-for-profit organizations. Uh, I've been working in and around sustainability for 25 years now, and I've worked with many corporations, and uh, sustainability uh, is by nature a cross-functional issue. One of the things I noticed uh, early in my career is that HR was often not at the table 
when other corporate functions from finance to purchasing were deeply involved in helping organizations uh, perform uh, on the triple bottom line, which is environmental, social, and economic performance all at the same time. It's surprising to me that HR continues to be somewhat uh, you know, on the sidelines, although that is starting to change. But, you know, getting your corporation more involved with environmental and social uh, performance is, by definition, means changes in employee behavior. And this is uh, employee behavior throughout the employee life cycle, really from uh, onboarding to retirement. Uh, as you mentioned in your introduction, Sustainability also has to do with things like culture change, organizational capacity, and employee engagement, all of which uh, are HR-related. Uh, there is a global framework for measuring the triple bottom line called the Global Reporting Initiative. It sets forth about 100 key performance indicators. Uh, over 25 of them are related to, uh, to human resources, uh, everything from... Uh, employee wellness to uh to privacy to child labor and human rights you know these are all social issues that hr is is deeply involved in so the good news is that things are starting to change and uh and uh hr is now starting to step up to its role in this transformation thank you very much and transformation is a key word and a big word on a lot of our game changer shows thanks for getting us started andy savitz let's move to the second person on my panel today we're honored to have barbara wickman she's the owner of artemia communications and she sent me a quote from joan baez this is the first time we've had joan baez on the show quote unquote and the quote is action is the antidote to despair i like that we're not despairing at all here we're very hopeful barbara wickman thank you so much for joining us where are you calling from today. Thank you, Bonnie, for having me. I'm calling from San Francisco, and I might add that we are quite well um, supplied with sun here. So sorry, Boston. Uh, we can uh, share a little bit, Andy. <laughs> Thank well, you, Barbara. send it along, please. Send it along. We'll bottle it up for you from coast to coast. So, Barbara Wickman, talk to me. Interesting quote. Why did you pick Joan Baez's quote, and how does it relate to our topic today, sustainability and HR? Please go ahead. Well, in, in general, I would say um, uh, my philosophy has been to break down very complex and large-scale issues into manageable, uh, actionable items, if you will, because at the end of the day, it empowers stakeholders. So, you know, on an internal level as well as on an external level. So within the context of HR, I think that's uh, particularly pertinent. And as a value-based organization, our team has really taken on sustainability way before it became uh, trendy, shall we say, and looked at ways that that even on a smaller scale, you know, we're not in manufacturing. We don't have uh, such impact as, as uh, some other organizations that we all know. Uh, but nevertheless, on our level, what can we contribute to uh, improve, you know, uh, sustainability and, and contribute in our own way? And um, hence, I felt that the um, the quote was appropriate because uh, it's it's easy to to sit by the sideline and become depressed and say, well, it's too big. We can't do anything about it. But in fact, we all can, all in our own uh, different ways and uh, depending on our roles. And HR, I think, as Andy mentioned very uh, accurately, is often uh, overlooked in that context, right? It's a very important function uh, to enroll uh, employees in particular, but also other uh, stakeholders. And I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit more later. Um, we we certainly sort of will. The reason. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you, Barbara. Thank you very much. By the way, are you a fan of Joan Baez? Is she still around? Because she was certainly you know, a force in folk music. I was actually not. I, I found the quote before I really thought about her, I have to honestly admit. Uh, she was not um, something that I was really exposed to at the time, but uh, I guess she's really, uh, especially in, uh, on the West Coast, I think she's really large, uh, um, you know, iconographic almost, right? Um, Absolutely. And uh, hence I thought it would be appropriate. Very appropriate. Major force, and I'm a boomer, so you're talking to me. You're talking to my people. <laughs> Thank you, you for the memories, Barbara Whitman. Yes, you mentioned Bob I did. Dylan at the beginning of the show, and Joan Baez was his partner in many ways. That's there right, and what's interesting is he, he released a new album a couple of years ago, and I remember there was a wonderful song where he kind of growled, it's all good, it's all good. So <laughs> forgive, forgive the musical interlude. I don't want to forget our third guest we're going to bring on now. Very also honored to have Peter Graff. He's the Chief Sustainability Officer and an Executive VP at SAP, and he gave me a math equation for his quote. Very interesting here. Sustainability minus HR equals PR. Boy, is that loaded as a math problem and solution. Peter Graff, welcome. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good, buddy. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm better than I thought I would be. This is turning out to be a very interesting conversation. So talk to me, Peter. First of all, where are you and what's your weather? We have to ask, of course. Oh, the weather report from Palo Alto is very sunny, very hot. And um, it's funny because um, Andy said in Boston it seems like the winter was never over. And here in California, it seems like winter never happened. We are in a drought and you can see it. <laughs> Um, yep. everywhere. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, not really, but, uh, it's, it's impacting <laughs> a lot of people. It certainly is. Yeah, we, we finally have an, have an alleviation to our winter here on Long Island, but I guess the message didn't get up to Boston, so we'll have to adopt Andy and bring him down here, pay for a trip, and let him enjoy our beginning of summer, or we'll send him out to you in Palo Alto. How's that? So, Peter, I love this math problem, sustainability minus HR equals PR. It's so simple that it's elegant. So talk to me. What does this mean to you and our topic? Uh, it means that sustainability is really about creating long-term value for the company um, and doing so in a way that provides short-term profitability. And it's not an easy thing to achieve. However, um, a couple of years ago, many companies ventured into sustainability, and they found the power of marketing around sustainability. And they dramatically failed because they didn't manage to put it into their operations, into the behavior of their people. And the, the one example that kind of shows it all to me, I once discussed with one of our facilities people about changing the lighting infrastructure at one of our buildings uh, to an LED infrastructure which consumes dramatically less energy. And, um, and he agreed because he understood, you know, we need to make this happen for cost savings and for green purposes. And when we leave the room, he failed to switch off the lights. So the human aspect of everything that we do is so immensely important because sustainability doesn't happen just from the top. It's something that needs to turn into a movement in the organization that actually is reflected ultimately in every business process, in your procurement, um, in your operations, logistics, and certainly in your HR, specifically because the strategic side of HR, the way how we think about creating long-term value um, and long-term development of our employees is so closely connected to sustainability and the vision of really focusing on how can we go away from the short-termism and understand the longer impact of what we do as a company. 
Thank you, Peter. Uh, let me ask you a question, Peter, if I may. Does this apply to even the smallest companies, I'll say the low-end SME, and even the startups, that they need to have their HR, even if they've only got 12 or 20 employees, their HR needs to be a core function in the sustainability effort? Would you say that is true? I think it's true. Over the long run, the only way how you create value as a company is through your employees. And, uh, and that applies to companies large and small. Even more interestingly, the large companies who jumped on this first, who often are, let's say, big retail chains, they are forcing their consumer product suppliers to apply specific standards in human resources and other areas, and they kind of make that work for their suppliers. So it kind of trickles down the supply chain, and, and we see smaller and smaller companies coming to us saying, how do we get this sustainability thing going with us? Okay, thank you this very much, Andy. Peter. Yes, I, yeah, I go ahead, with- Andy. I agree with Peter. Walmart, for example, has recently put uh, guidance, quote-unquote, in place for all of its 100,000 employers on trying to reduce energy, reduce packaging, reduce waste. Uh, and so this is what's brought a lot of smaller companies into the equation, that the larger companies are, are working down their supply chains uh, or up their supply chains to, uh, to, to require them to do things as well. In smaller companies, of course, you know, the HR role is also often a multifaceted role in a company mm-hmm. of 10 people. Uh, you know, there's somebody doing HR and probably doing six other things as well. But, uh, but this is important for both big and small companies. Thank yeah, you all I mean, for answering. Go ahead, Barbara, please. Well, I was going to mention, for, uh, coming from, you know, we're very involved in diversity and hence, uh, you know, in the supply chain, uh, chain uh, process from that vantage point. And what we have observed is that our, uh, the large clients, you know, the large enterprises now combine actually sustainability in the context of that discussion. So, in other words, they're driving it down from the top uh, down to the suppliers. And I think that's one of the ways we can really impact, uh, you know, the growth of, of uh the adoption of sustainability practices, right? And in fact, they underwrite often uh, training uh, situations. I know, in, in fact, a number of companies here in the greater Bay Area that have offered and in part uh, paid for, let's say, uh, sustainability trainings, right? And uh, uh, we can go into that maybe a little bit more detail later, but I just wanted to touch on that because I think it's, it's really being done by the large enterprises right now. Thank you very much. I'm, I asked the question of the panel I want to explain because we have a vast audience and from our, our listener stats we get from our station here, the, the business channel, we know that we're heard in over 130, you name it, countries, states, regions, cities, towns, villages, all over the world. But we also have an audience of all size business people. They are in startups. They are in small to midsize. They are in what I like to call the behemoth enterprises like the, the big, the big industrialized companies. So, I always want to make sure we're addressing the needs of our broad audience. So thank you, panel. Now, I have a tough question for the three of you, Andy, Barbara, and Peter. It might be the hardest question I ask you this whole hour, but I think you're prepared for it. I'm going to ask you, what's in your cup today or what do you wish you were drinking? Because HR Trends with Game Changers is part of our flagship series, which is called Coffee Break with Game Changers. No surprise. So let's start with the very articulate author, Andy Savitz. What are you drinking? Give me something interesting or what do you wish you were drinking, Andy? I'm drinking hot chocolate because it's so darn cold here. Uh, I wish it was a pina colada or something <laughs> with a little more of a tropical flair to it. But uh, as long as it's freezing in Boston, I'm, uh, I've been going through Swiss mix choc- hot chocolates like they're going out of style. Oh, my goodness. There's a boost for Swiss Miss. Thank you very much. Barbara Wickman, sunny California. What's in your cup today, Barbara? 
clearly something not as hot, but I'm having um, a De La Paz uh, coffee. Um, you may be familiar with the brand, if I may mention that in, by name. Uh, yes. It's a fair trade company. Uh, it's local. It, um, you know, ha- it's actually been uh, awarded uh, a good food award uh, this year. A very great uh, team. And what they're doing is they're really balancing uh, great flavor with sustainability and community. So something that I think we all embrace here and uh, have adopted for the office. And my, my favorite alternative would be iced coffee, which I remember from my, my childhood days because my mom would make it, which is, you know, was chilled coffee with a bunch of vanilla ice cream and uh, whipped cream on top. So you have perfect uh, summer drink, which we're almost ready for here in San Francisco, I think, because we're supposed to have a heat wave. But um, not to fret, Andy, we will invite you over and <laughs> I like your mother's recipe, ice cream and whipped cream. That sounds like my kind of iced coffee. Oh, Peter it was Graf, so good. It sounds delicious. It's, I think Peter it's Graf, to Frappuccino in these days. You it know, sounds you. like it. Peter, what's in your cup today? Well, my cup has a fair-traded uh, coffee mixed with uh, foamed milk, uh, also known as a fair latte. And uh, it's not so much the drink itself. I think it's the... It's the mug itself that is interesting because it's a real mug. It's not a paper mug, and, and uh, next to it is a real glass of water with real, real glass and real water. And the reason why I need to do this is if I don't and I get caught at the, um, you know, at the fountain or at the coffee maker with anything plastic or not environmentally mm-hmm. friendly, uh, I get a lot of grief from the colleagues, which is kind of fun because as soon as you start driving sustainability in your company, you are forced almost to to expose a, a behavior to to show a behavior that leads and that is the, and and that's what i really want to get across i think it's so important that you get leaders to uh, inspire employees as part of the sustainability challenge and that's why i very proudly use the same mug for about let's say 10 years every day at oh sap my. My goodness. And, and Peter and, and panelists, a very good point you all brought up, especially Peter about the cup, the mug, because I know we're going to be talking about it later in the show. We're almost ready for break. And when we come back, it'll be our 25-minute marathon roundtable. We're going to talk about the employee engagement aspect of embracing sustainability from the HR vantage point, HR being a leader in corporate culture change, because more and more, and I think you'll all agree with this, we're seeing a younger, uh, younger cadre of millennials, Gen Wires, Net Geners, as some of them like to call themselves, coming in, and they want the company for which they work to mirror their personal values. So, Peter, to your point, those people who are saying to you, what, a plastic cup, might very well be millennials who are coming in and bringing this culture change with them. They don't need to learn about it. They're living it. Peter, do you agree with that? Yes, although, I mean, a sustainable strategy isn't reflected by people using a real mug at work and then do crazy things in other areas of work. It's a small sign, but what I wanted to make sure people understand is the aspect of leadership role models is extremely important when it comes to driving a sustainability strategy across an organization. Thank you very much. Point well taken. And guess what? I'm going to make a point and say it's time for a break. I'm speaking today with Andy Savitz at Sustainable Business Strategies, an offer of the Triple Bottom Line, as well as other business books. Barbara Wickman, the owner of Artemia Communications, and Peter Graff, Chief Sustainability Officer and Executive VP at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you're keeping track, this is Season 2, show number 8 out of our 13-week flight. We are live, and it is Tuesday, May 13th, 2014. However you're listening to us, keep listening. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I have a lot more from Andy, Barbara, and Peter. We'll be right back. 
Spread out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Welcome back. We're talking today about HR and sustainability, bridging the gap. How do you get it all done in terms of corporate culture change and engage employees? Do the right thing, not only for the world and your community, but for the whole company. How are you going to survive? Sustainability may be the key. So we're going to start off our roundtable now. I'm going to invite Andy Savitz to talk to me. And let's talk about a definition for sustainability. Let's level set in case somebody's just joining us. What does it really mean, Andy? And then I'll ask Barbara Wickman and Peter. Graph to join in. Go ahead, Andy. Well, there are several definitions. In fact, there are probably over a hundred definitions of sustainability. The classic one came out of the 1987 UN report called Our Common Future, which says that sustainable development is about meeting the needs of today without sacrificing the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And this really is a profound change in thinking about how to create wealth. You know, in uh, earlier times, you know, wealth creation was all about the present tense. You created wealth and uh, left it to other generations to figure out how to create wealth. But now uh, people are thinking about that differently. Think about climate change. Uh, if we don't do something to address climate change today, we're going to create a situation in which our children are going to have to be spending a higher percentage of their GNP to deal with it. And that's true for natural resource depletion generally. We cannot simply go about creating wealth, ignoring the fact that we may be digging a hole that's too big for our children to climb out of. And that's really uh, what the challenge is for business. Peter mentioned uh, in his uh, discussion, that uh, in his earlier uh, comment, that it's a way of thinking about the long term while creating you know, wealth in the short term or value in the short term. But that's becoming a very challenging prospect, which is why we need, you know, new ways of doing business, new ways of thinking, you know, which brings us back to HR, which, you know, has a lot of the development and training, uh, you know, activity under its purview. 
Andy, let me ask you one question before I invite Barbara and Peter to jump in. Of course, Peter and Barbara, just say your name and jump in at any time. Don't wait for me. But uh, the question, Andy, is who should be the leader in HR if this requires a perhaps a sea change in corporate culture? You need a strong leadership that understands the concept of sustainability, that gets it, that has an influence and is impactful on the people working in the company, big, medium, or small company. So who are we seeing a change in who has to be in that HR leadership because of the new requirements of leading in sustainability. Can you help me with that? And then we'll have Barbara and Peter add. Go ahead. Well, I'm not sure it's it's taking place to the point where HR leaders are being changed as a result, but the Society for Human Resource Management, I, I worked with them for a couple of years to develop, you know, a definition of sustainability for HR. Mm-hmm. Uh, CIPD in England, the same thing. Uh, many of the HR associations are now paying much closer attention to this than ever before. Uh, my book, for example, is uh, now certified for credit by SHRM. So if you read it and, and understand it, you, you get continuing uh, education credit. This is an area that uh, a lot of HR professionals are starting to pay some attention to. Uh, it's also the case that a lot of this change takes place uh, from the bottom up because workers, employees, want to bring their values to work. Peter mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, the guy who didn't shut out the lights. Well, you know, it's pretty clear that people are, you know, people are embracing sustainability in their homes. And one of the challenges that uh, face companies and HR departments is, you know, how to allow employees to express and activate those values while at work. Okay, thank you very much. Barbara Wickman, thoughts on what, what Andy just shared with us? Yeah, I, I certainly um, I can only agree with what you stated. I think for my observation is that HR is so crucial because it can drive some of the training components uh, in this context, and certainly uh, encourage uh, you know champions that that have sort of volunteered, if you will, among the employee teams uh, to to take the lead on that. I, I think it's a, tu- a dual um, um, activity, if you will, or two pronged. In that uh, you know you need sea le- level buy-in. I think uh, that will be very hard to to implement if you don't have the support. At the same time, you need somebody on the employee side that drives the actual uh, application. So that's, in my opinion and observation, that's where HR has a uh, growing role and one that they could embrace maybe even more actively than it's currently done. Um, You know, the whole uh, thinking around uh, who's being designated at the spokespersons on behalf of employees. Uh, And this plays, I I would say, in particular in in a lot of the areas that I'm volunteering in, which is sort of the SME uh, kind of... um, level of companies, you know, in terms of size, uh, large enterprises obviously will have uh, more um, resources and, and, and different team members that can drive this. But, you know, if we talk about the cost benefits um, as, a, as a second uh, consideration here, then obviously C-level, uh, i.e. CFOs, would be uh, crucial in, in making this happen. Um, and again, you know, HR uh, could maybe step it up a, li- a little bit in that regard to, um, to support um, development of talent in that regard. Thank you, Barbara. Peter Graff, I know you want to join in. What what are your thoughts on this, please? Uh, Bonnie, first of all, um, the definition we use uh, is an evolution of what the Brundtland Commission did and many other people did and the triple bottom Mm -hmm. line conversation. It has three elements that I'd like to briefly point out because it is important in the relationship to HR. So the first element is that sustainability is about balancing short and long-term profitability. And business is used to do that all the time, you know, investment in new product versus, you know, success of current products. 
um, you know, how much R&D are you affording? So we are used to kind of working these balances, and sustainability is not different from that. The second element is that you want to holistically manage economic, environmental, and social aspects of the business. And you, holistic management means that you understand the impact on one another. For example, at SAP, we know that 1% of employee retention is worth uh, 62 million euros of rehiring costs. Mm. So once you've created that case, the connection becomes completely clear, and it will drive different types of behaviors. Um, the third aspect of the definition is that we're talking about risks and opportunities. Many companies have embraced a risk aversion strategy or a mitigation strategy rather than using this as an opportunity to create competitive advantage. And the definition, therefore, that we have embeds all the three, balancing short and long-term profitability mm-hmm. by holistically managing economic, environmental, and social risks and opportunities. And that definition helped us tremendously to engage our business leaders. And the companies that SAP works with, because we sell lots of sustainability software, thousands of companies are running our sustainability um, software, and we have to make the business case to sell it. They use one of three reasons to engage. The first is um, perception. So they do it because they want to attract millennials, they want to evolve their brand, their employer branding, and all those kind of things, much of the intangible value. And that's a good reason. The second reason is profitability. So they're trying to figure out how can we short-term create efficiencies that we haven't uncovered yet in order to, let's say, drive down our cost of energy. Um, SAP, for example, we've saved $330 million since 2008 in comparison to a business-as-usual extrapolation by becoming more sustainable. And the third, and that's the most interesting one, and that's also the one with the biggest promise, that's if you do it for prosperity, meaning either mitigating a long-term risk or creating a long-term transformational change. And since transformation is the topic of many of your conversations, Bonnie, um, that's really where the huge opportunity is. That's where companies are really changing the game um, because they're applying technology changes and they're applying business changes at the same time. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the, the way how I see the definition and how it materializes. Now, from a, from a, from a how-to-get-it-done perspective, yes, you must have the CEO on board, the entire C-suite. That's usually easy. It's also relatively easy to reach out to employees, get them excited. At SAP, 89% of our employees agree with the statement, we must make sustainability the strategic priority of the company, and we know this number from annual uh, employee surveys. That's an amazing vote. Now, the challenge is middle management, and that's why senior management is so important, because for many middle managers, there is the perception that you have conflicting goals. Like, I can't make my revenue number if I'm going to do this sustainability thing. And that needs to be overcome. And this is where leadership is required. And that's why you need support from the entire management team, from the head of HR, into the middle management in every function. Peter, this thank you very much. Andy, please, go ahead. I agree with Peter, but mm-hmm. it requires also a program of culture change. This is... A lot of the research that I've been doing is about, you know, what do middle managers actually believe? Peter points this out by saying, well, you know, we have conflicting goals here that in many cases doing the right thing is at odds or at least is seen to be at odds with doing the profitable thing. 
this is where HR comes in again because you know so much of what middle managers are paid to do is to make the trains run on time, to get those production quotas up, to make that profit and loss statement look good. Uh, and that's what they get incentivized for. That's what they are promoted on the basis of. And this gets us to HR because, you know, there needs to be a balance of incentives that incentivize, you know, both short-term production but also long-term, uh, long-term uh, sustainability. And HR can play a significant role. I once consulted with a company that said, you know, safety is our top priority. Uh, they were having lots of fatalities and lots of accidents. But when you dug down into the HR world, you found out that, uh, you know, productivity was 95% of the incentive pay and, and safety was less than 1%. So incentives and promotions uh, and what people believe uh, is all part of, turning the tide, uh, what Andrew Winston calls getting corporations to pivot away from mm -hmm. a single-minded focus on profitability to a more balanced scorecard of environmental, social, and economic mm -hmm. uh, performance. And the, and the one thing, Peter, here that I'd like to, to add is that many times what you find is that more sustainable practices actually positively impact the existing KPIs right now. There are companies who've started to track carbon across the value chain, and they used carbon emissions as a proxy for inefficiency. Because essentially, when you ask you know, how much energy or carbon is embedded in this component, you start really asking the question of how was it produced, and how, why, why do you have so much more energy embedded than the other guy? And that allows for unveiling inefficiencies. I've seen this play out dramatically at Danone, um, who carbon footprints 35,000 products uh, every month uh, with SAP. And they, they have used this information to figure out why is there such big differences in the embedded energy from our suppliers. And in turn, they were able to reduce their energy um, by 40% and their emissions in the same way. That creates significant um, profitability right now. It's just that people are not used to look at things in different ways. Well, I think and, if I may, this is Barbara. Um, to, just to to support your claim there, um, I think uh, if you look at uh, coverage in uh, environmental leader, um, Walmart has introduced what they call the sustainability index. Right? Uh, I'm sure you're aware um, of that uh, uh, initiative, if you will. And they are doing exactly what you're speaking to, right? To identify opportunities in terms of uh, reducing uh, the use of non-renewable uh, resources, right? And they're doing that all through the supply chain. So. Um, they're looking not just at uh, petroleum use and water, but also at greenhouse gases and, you know, anything that impacts um, their manufacturing and, and transportation uh, needs, both from, uh, you know, with the scientific eye to improvement and uh, to, how should we say, bringing uh, better efficiencies and sustainability to the supply chain around the world. So I think we have some examples where companies do exactly what you're speaking to um, and, and quite uh, with some, some gusto, if you will. Yes, uh, this is Andy. It's, mm -hmm. it's a good example, energy, but it's also an easy one uh, because, you know, any time you can save energy, you're saving money, and the connection between those two isn't really hard for people to understand. Um, the hard part comes, though, when the connections aren't as easily drawn, where, you know, uh, where you have to sometimes sacrifice profit to do you know, the right thing in the long term. 
and again, this is where HR can can play a role because uh, because you know aligning those incentives and performance appraisals, you know, with with those uh, sort of longer term objectives is is something that eludes many companies. You know, it's quite easy to say turn out the lights. I will save money. Everybody gets that. You know, the question is why don't people do that? As Peter that's, suggested, that's true. Um, old habits, maybe old training, right? To a that's point, right. I would argue. Old habit, right? old habits die hard. I, w- I want to move in a slightly different direction here. Thank you, panel. Great conversation. Uh, I just want to go into one of Barbara Wickman's talking points. You sent me some notes before the show, Barbara, and I want to talk about uh, some issues here. The language of sustainability. You say it feels like it was a buzzword in 2013. So my question is, was that just lip service? People, oh, we're going to be a sustainable company, but didn't really get it, and and then you add, while that's a positive development, we need to make sure it doesn't become an add-on or a synonym for all things environmental. CSR is very much a part of it. So take us in this direction, please, Barbara, and then we'll ask Andy and Peter to jump in. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, if I may, obviously we have a background in communications, right? We deal mm-hmm. with language on a daily basis. So as we speak to lots of our clients, their, their stakeholders and, and our own, really, uh, you know, sustainability has become sort of the... Uh, the trend of the year, shall we say, or, you know, mm-hmm. at least uh, in, in certain circles. And my thinking, and this is actually why initially we um, pursued certifications, was who is to say what's really sustainable, right? What's our standard? How do we uh, measure this? Uh, because without measuring, you know, I can make any number of claims, and so can my peers. Um, so uh, that was sort of the backdrop to that, to, to um, have some standards that can be evaluated, can be measured, can be shared, therefore, also with internal audience and external audiences. And that means that maybe the, the language of sustainability uh, has to evolve or can evolve, has an opportunity to evolve into, um, you know, uh, subsets of the, the main theme. Uh, greenwashing is, is still a practice, I think. Um, I, I, I think the panelists will agree on that. Um, so in order to, to ensure that we have actual um, uh, deliverables, if you will, and have a language that is um, accountable, if you will. I think we need to work, we need to look past that word and and implement, um, you know, um, you know, CRS, CSR being one of them, uh, some other programs that further substantiate our claims. Thank you, Barbara. Peter Graff, thoughts on what Barbara just talked to us about? Yeah, I mean. Um... The, the problem with the term sustainability is that um, in many companies that I see, there is a sustainability strategy, and then there is a product strategy, and then there is a human resources strategy, and that is exactly mm-hmm. the wrong way of doing it because you're now mm-hmm. setting sustainability up to be in conflict with the rest. If you want to succeed, you need to create what I call a sustainable corporate strategy, where sustainability is embedded into everything that the company does from a strategic perspective. And then HR becomes the major tool to get it done, right? Uh, leadership becomes important. Um, and we have, we have taken this as far as uh, doing away with the separate sustainability report and creating one report that combines our, annual, our previous annual report and our sustainability report. It's an integrated report. And that integrated report we use to engage HR to come up with that number of 62 million euros per percent of retention in order to show the connections between our non-financial performance in the company and our financial performance. 
And that dramatically accelerated SAP's move into sustainability as a strategic priority. But if you set it up, set up a corporate strategy that's sustainable. Don't set up a sustainability strategy that sits next to all the other strategies uh, and in this way is sidelined in the organization. Thank you, Peter. Andy, comment on that, and then I want to go in a, yet another direction. Andy Savitz, thoughts? I agree uh, with Peter that uh, one does need a an integrated approach to this, uh, and that's really the currency of the realm. I mean, people talk about, uh, you know, how do you embed sustainability in corporations? Well, you know, HR is a critical embedding function, and, you know, one way to do this, is, is, and I've just, I've uh, sort of talked about this in my book, is to take the various stages of the employee life cycle from recruitment and retention all the way to retirement and figure out how to build sustainability, you know, into each, uh, each part of that employee life cycle. And, you know, that's HR again. Um, so, you know, once you have a sustainable business strategy, the question is, you know, how do you embed that? Uh, part of it is building it into everybody's job, uh, but also it's uh, building it into the employee life cycle. Uh, so, you know, companies are using sustainability as part of their employer brand, you know, and I know SAP is doing a very good job at this. You know, how do we attract the top talent? Well, we have to begin telling people, you know, how we are part of the solution to, you know, the challenges that are facing the world. How do we retain people? We give them opportunities to bring their values to work. Do we promote people on the basis? Do we incentivize people on the basis? Uh, You know, all the way to second career activities where, you know, how do we help people retire but also keep them involved in sustainability? The way how we think about this, Andy, Uh, is um, people are not looking for a job. They're looking for purpose. And Correct. this is extremely strong with the younger generation. Every time I go and talk at a university, I walk away with a big stack of business cards of people who want to work at SAP. It's an extremely powerful way of getting people excited about your company if you have, obviously, turned into a sustainable strategy. And it's not just lip service and, you know, mm-hmm. PR. Yes, Peter, I want to make term. a difference. Go ahead, go ahead, Barbara. Yes, please, go ahead. I was going to say um, two words come to mind. One is value-based, right? If you're a value-based organization, uh, that will attract um, like-minded employees, if you will. And um, mm-hmm. if I'm the one staking the ground here, uh, putting the stake in the ground for SMEs, uh, I would say, you know, um, the organizations obviously don't have the bandwidth that an SAP has or some of the other organizations that uh, everybody's uh, uh, working with. But at the same time, on a C-level, you can, in conjunction with HR drive uh, the the retention and uh, for that matter the the you know attraction of talent that will underwrite those values right the, so the more you form, formulate those values the, the better uh, and, the, and uh, you know you attract likewise uh, employees and I think that's actually one of the things that's attainable for any business regardless of size and I think that's important to highlight right a lot of times um, yeah. if you're in an SME environment you feel that you don't have the same opportunities that a large company like an SAP that who's really a thought leader if, if you will um, can accomplish uh, on the SME level there's still lots of opportunities to to apply yourself and and uh, promote sustainability and infuse that throughout everything that you do uh, the way we speak about it is it's practice what you preach right it right. cannot be only what we tell our clients we have to practice it ourselves 
Thank you. And Peter, I want to use this as a segue to talk about engaged employees, engaging employees. You have something in your notes to me about the ride-sharing program at SAP. We have just in about three minutes before we go on break. Would you like to share that with us, Peter? Oh, sure. Um, engaging employees is extremely difficult, and we have applied an, an employee engagement tool or framework that we learned from McKinsey. Um, but you have to know that 33% of our target relevant emissions uh, for our carbon target, which is bringing back our emissions to the level of 2,000 by the year 2020, and that's actually about a 50% reduction in absolute terms of where they were in 2007. So we've got a lot of work to do. 33% of those emissions come from cars. And uh, when we have people get in the car together, it's a triple win economically because we save fuel, parking costs. We have 20,000 corporate cars at SAP. It's obviously a great environmental benefit and, and a social benefit, too. It's about meeting people, networking, you know, enhancing your network. So the first thing you have to get done is your structure. So we created a clear governance, ownership, and targets around carpooling. We measure how many people are in the car by, through an employee survey. And we publish the information internally. Everyone can see the target. Everyone can see how their location is doing. So that's step number one. Mm -hmm. The second is processes and tools. So we ran an ideation contest inside SAP. How could we achieve a carpooling rate of 10%? And two developers came up with this fun, great idea of pretty much organizing carpools from within your calendar. So you're just moving uh, appointments around, and this way the, the system in the background is searching for people that are driving to work at the same time. In other words, you just create an appointment, which is commute to work and go back home. And in those time frames, that's when the car matching is happening. And that's a great challenge for SAP because we never build software for consumers. The project team delivers the software, and, 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 and so we, we, have, we have built the system now. When we communicated, and that's the third element of it, we told the story of the daily commute at SAP. Cause, and that's so important. You have to create a, a picture in people's mind to engage them. So every day we commute from Earth to the moon, back to Earth, and back to the moon as a group of employees, 65,000 people. That's a huge distance. And we use every marketing channel available to get them to create the awareness, to, to get them into the program, and we had great initial pickup, but then it kind of slowed down adoption. So mm -hmm. we moved into number four, role models and in incentives. So initially, um, we were promoting this with Save the Planet, and that didn't really catch on. So we changed it to, and I'm paraphrasing now, um, meet new people, know the gossip. <laughs> that was a much stronger reason for our people to get in. So the incentive, the communicated incentive was changed. And the initial incentives are clear, you know, less fuel for your car, carpool lane, all these things. But then we added new incentives, like incentives, reserved parking. The best parking spaces are always in the front for people who use to go. And um, we have shuttles to parties when people want to have a drink and they don't want to drive home. To go is the choice, right? We are donating a dollar for every mile that's shared during the month of service to create awareness about you know, social engagement, but also um, to, to drive participation. And then something amazing happened. Then our CEO started to post rides. Ah. And when the CEO started to post rides, this whole thing just exploded in adoption. And we have 12,000 people who are using this at SAP, which is amazing. And every time the CEO has a ride, the person who rides with him rides a blog entry in our corporate portal. 
<laughs> to talk about how approachable he is and how pleasant it was and how they were worried about what to wear and what to say and how easy it was. And, and, and our CEO loves it, too, because he gets to talk to people, unfiltered feedback of what's going on in the trenches of the company. And this so um, we've made this a product now. We've got lots of customers. Uh, people can sign up. It's at togo.com, T-W-O-G-O.com on the web. And, uh, yeah, that's the happy ending of employee engagement just for carpooling. We've done similar things in waste reduction, printing, and so on, but that's the carpooling story. I love it. I had that in your notes, Peter, and I said to myself, no matter what it takes, even if we have to skip a break, we're going to get that story out because it's so compelling and it's so real, Peter. It's about real people. When you talk about people are wondering what to say to the CEO and what should they wear, yeah. really, this this is this is every day in the trenches. This is the sustainability at work in the trenches as part of the corporate culture at the very, very grassroots level. May I? Uh, would you agree with that? Yes, and um, Andy said before you have to change culture. The point is, I think culture is the collective amount of behavior that's uh, condoned in a company, that is actually rewarded in a company. And, and uh, I think it needs to come from the top. So, as I said, the one big pivotal change was when the CEO joined in. That, well, I'd that, like to just, this is Andy, I'd just like to amend that slightly because I think it's a great example of how it comes from the top and the bottom. When you have mm-hmm. a CEO carpooling with a line employee, uh, it really, I think, brings it all together in a way. Uh, it does. That's what I meant by grassroots. And by the way, panel, I have to tell you, we have gone so far into this conversation, there's no time for our final break. I have seven minutes left to close the show. I'm going to divide it evenly like a good – I'm going to play King Solomon here. Let's divide <laughs> it right down the middle. So I'm going to give Andy Savitz – exactly. Andy, I'm going to give you 90 seconds for your predictions because we're now officially in the crystal ball segment of the show. So if we had this conversation in five or six years, hindsight is 2020. Go to 2020. Give me six years. HR and sustainability, what will happen in the intervening years? What would be different about this conversation? 90 seconds, Andy Savitz, go. Well, my hope is that we wouldn't need this conversation any longer because, uh, as my co-panelists have suggested, you know, HR has become an integral part of the entire sustainability movement. Uh, You know, we have you know, Peter said, and I agree, that we, we don't want a separate sustainability strategy. Similarly, we don't want a separate talent strategy, nor do we want a business strategy that's hanging apart. So one way I think this will change is that if you could see a sort of a Venn diagram with three circles, mm-hmm. one is business strategy, one is sustainability strategy, and one is talent strategy or HR strategy, you know, now that overlap is probably pretty small. But eventually, and I believe certainly in the next five years, we're going to see it uh, move, see those circles move closer to convergence so that HR, sustainability, and business are speaking, you know, as one and acting as one. That may, be more, great, of a hope than a, that may be more of a hope than a prediction. But, uh, well, I like the hope, and Andy, Venn diagrams are still one of my favorite visual tools when I'm on the radio. So thank you for joining me in that. Barbara Wickman, owner of Artemia Communications, what do you see in the future? Let's go five or six years down the road. Blue skies, Barbara, or cloudy? What do you see in terms of HR's role in sustainability? Talk to me. 90 seconds, please. 
Well, I would hope that Andy and both Peter are correct, right, and in, 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 in certainly Andy in projecting um, good things to come. I, I think my concern is uh, on a global level. Uh, you know, we all, uh, I think, are part of teams that uh, that understand the complexity and the and the benefits of uh, involving HR and uh, how to drive sustainability uh, in conjunction with business goals and uh, things of that nature. What I'm concerned about is that a large part of the current uh, trends against sustainability, if you will, or let's say uh, pollution um, and things of that nature are actually happening outside uh, of uh, our main continents. Let's say, you know, we're not talking about Europe or, or U.S. We're talking now about China and, and possibly also Brazil in our context. And um, how can we share our uh, the knowledge that we all gained, right, the lessons that we've learned with uh, those parties uh, with integrity, right, not telling them what to do, but sharing with them in a way that they can adopt this faster than we did because it took us a while to get to this point and and stage in sustainability, and yet their their uh, impact is in, in some parts so much higher than even what we could ever uh, imagine. And um, I have to think that um, the cost savings, so the financial uh, benefits, you know, uh, will outweigh maybe some HR concerns in those uh, territories. And um, my hope is thus that we can be um, champions on a global level and, you know, uh, uh, speak to parties over there, share best practices, and, and show them sort of the way, in a way that can be uh, accepted without feeling like the, um, you know, we patronizing anybody. That's sort of my, my core message for the moment. Uh, we have such large environmental issues, in particular in, in, in China, uh, whether you talk about waterways or, you know, smog, um, that um, on, on the face of it don't meet, uh, meet HR issues, but in fact they do, right, because companies there operate, and we definitely need champions on the inside to, to support change there. So Thank you, Barbara appeal. Wickman. I really appreciate that. Good opinion and good predictions. Peter Graff, I leave it to you to wrap this up. I can give you about a minute and a half. I can actually squeak in two minutes if you talk fast. So go ahead, Peter Graff. Trying my best. (laughs) So um, (laughs) the predictions with regards to um, HR are as follows. I think uh, education, we'll see that education goes uh, online. Um, We're just running uh, an online course with 13,000 people around sustainability. That's huge. Uh, at open.sap.com. So education is going to be all virtual. Um, it's going to be ongoing. It's going to be everywhere. And what I'm saying here in this predictions is it's kind of based on this understanding that the future is already here. It's just not distributed equally right now. Mm-hmm. So I think employer branding, every company will drive an employer brand that includes the sustainability uh, at, a, at the core. Uh, that's because the events we see unfold in the world are going to put more and more emphasis on sustainable development. Regarding diversity and inclusion, it's clear that more diverse companies have more sales. They are more successful. Um, and we will understand diversion, diversity better than today. It's not just gender diversity or race or age um, or other dimensions. It's also the specially abled people. SAP started to hire up to 1% of our total sales force to be autistic, for example. And they're driving enormous value because they make the rest of the company be more structured. So we will develop a much deeper understanding of the positive effects of diversity in dimensions we don't even think about right now. Now, health and well-being will play an even more prominent role. 
um, stress-related sickness is growing everywhere right now, and the ROI of health programs is up to 10 times their cost, according to the IGA Report 13. So health and well-being will be emphasized more and more and more with the companies. When it comes to worker safety, human behavior causes 90% of work-related incidents. So these kind of training, safety awareness, will be even more, um, even more highlighted. And finally, um, companies will use software to do proper workforce planning, to do proper talent development, because that's where huge long-term value sits. It's about increase in internal job fill rates, it's increasing the number of high performers, the accuracy and impact of employee training, and software actually helps them do this, and we see this type of software to be adopted ubiquitously. Thank you, Peter Graff. Right under the wire, you got, gave me my 45 seconds to close the show, and I'm very grateful. We've been talking about HR and sustainability bridging the gap. I want to say thank you to Barbara Wickman at Artemia Communications, Andy Savitz at Sustainable Business Strategies, and the author of The Triple Bottom Line and other books, Peter Graff at SAP, and I have my own predictions. Tomorrow is Wednesday. You know what that means. Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, 8 a.m. Pacific Thursday. Well, what else? It's the future of business with Game Changers, 7 a.m. Pacific. Get up early. It's worth it. Monday, we start the cycle all over again with a new edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers, 10 a.m. Pacific. And I'll be back here next Tuesday here on the Business Channel with HR Trends with Game Changers, 9 a.m. Pacific. Shout out to Mike Montalban at HR at SAP and Carolyn Cahoot. Mike for tweeting and helping support guest engagement and Carolyn for sponsoring the show. Brad and the Business Channel team, thank you so much. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and here's my call to action. I think you know what it is, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Fasten your seat belt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for another edition of HR Trends with Game Changers. I'll see you right here tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Pacific on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.